play videos on Wednesday nights for the teens. The teens do not lead worship on Wednesday nights. I feel like I just got judged by a lot of people. So <laughs> we are working on that and encouraging them um, to lead on Wednesday nights. We have some things we still got to line out as far as uh, just some uh, technical things over on the other side to get it prepared, but we're almost there and they're going to start practicing. And I've had some wonderful team. All my team leaders have just helped wonderful with, um, encourage them. And I feel like Mitch is saying, I haven't done anything. I know you too well, Mitch. So, um, we're trying to encourage that. So, uh, and now um, it's pretty cool to be able to have Landon come into the church and, and be able to come to him and say, hey, musically, can you help with some of this stuff? And, and Lindsay's stepping in, and she's not here because she's sick. Um, but uh, so, so everyone's all on board with that. So I just kind of wanted you guys to know um, just some transparency about what's going on there. So I look forward to the future and, and, and seeing them lead worship on Wednesday nights. And I'm very excited about that because we have some talented teens, if you didn't know that. Um, so we're very blessed. So. Um, so we had a lock-in, and I don't know why I did it. I feel like I'm getting too old for it, dear. I kind of blame it on Brooke, though, because uh, she says that lock-ins were something that she always remembered as teens. And I want to be like, but we're not teens anymore. Um, but you know what? It was a success. We took the kids to Sky Zone, and we came back and stayed here um, and just had fun for a little bit and slept all the rest of the night. No, we didn't. Um, but you know what? It was a lot of fun. I feel like it was a success. Um, I think everyone survived, so that's good. I think everybody has all their fingers and toes accounted for. Um, so the Lord definitely blessed that time. We had, um, a lot of guests, so that was pretty fantastic. Um, didn't have any problems. Um, I thought it was a good time. Um, I know the teens had fun with it, so, uh, maybe we're going to do it again. I don't know. I got about 10 minutes of sleep and I woke up in a panic because I was sitting there and I fell asleep and I was like, oh my gosh, because I'm not going to sleep at lock-ins just because I feel like I need to be a, (laughs) what what are you laughing for, Peck? (laughs) I feel like due to um, the fact that they're teenagers and maybe safety issues that parents wouldn't appreciate if I fell asleep. Um, But uh, no, we had a good time. So it was definitely a success and we'll probably do it again. Um, as much as it pains me to say that, but I start with that just because, you know, this week I kind of feel like, and it's probably not right for me to say because I don't know what all it entails, but I kind of felt a little bit like Brian feels this week because I had four different messages I had to prepare to preach this week for four different things. And looking at that from the first part of the week and the tail end of last week, I was like, how in the world do people do this? And, um, one of them was speaking at chapel at MCS and then the Wednesday night service. And I had a message for the lock-in and then this message for tonight. And, uh, it was really neat because I feel like in that time, it just kind of made me realize how much I need to trust in the Lord to speak to me and speak through me. Cause there is no way that I could have done that on my own. And, um, I just feel like I kind of got a lot closer this week. And so I guess what I'm saying is, is I'm really thankful to the Lord for blessing me with all those opportunities. And it it almost sounds like said no one ever because, you know, (laughs) for all that extra work. But you know what? If that's what 
it accomplished in me through it, then um, I feel like I'm better off for it. So tonight, as I was preparing this, um, and as we've been reading in this, this Bible study, I almost call it this Bible novel, um, I've been seeing things a lot differently than I did before, um, especially when I got to um, the book of Acts, which is what I'm going to be preaching from tonight. I'm going to be in Acts chapter 4, and I'm actually going to start with, um, we're going to do verses 1 through 13, so I'm going to be reading a lot. Um, but uh, I kind of got that perspective of how things um, worked out from like a chronological order of things and realizing that after, um, the healing of the man called beautiful, um, how, um, Peter and John were treated after that. And so that's kind of, um, the theme of tonight would be expecting, um, which is really neat because Brian and I never really talk very in depth about what we're going to be preaching about. And, um, I really love that because, so often what God lays on my heart is very similar to what God lays on Brian's heart. And I even remember him speaking this morning about, he said, expecting, I can't remember exactly what you said now that I'm up here. You said something about expecting something. And I was like, and it was just, it was like everything was going in line and what he laid on my heart to pray about before service and what was spoken. So so God is just doing something in and through all the workings of his church here. And so um, I wanted to share that too. There's another freebie for you. I'm done with the freebies. Okay. So I'm going to go ahead and read this. We're going to jump right into the word. Um, will you guys stand with me tonight as we read God's word? Okay. I'm going to be reading from Acts chapter 4 verses 1 through 13. The priests and the captain of the temple guard and the Sadducees came up to Peter and John while they were speaking to the people. They were greatly disturbed because the apostles were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. They seized Peter and John, and because it was evening, they put them in jail until the next day. But many who heard the message believed, and the number of men grew about 5,000. The next day, the rulers, elders, and teachers of the law met in Jerusalem. Annas and the high priest was there, and so were Cephas, John, Alexander, and the other men of the high priest's family, they had Peter and John brought before them and began to question them. By what power or what name did you do this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers and elders of the people, if we are being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a cripple, remember this was after the healing of the crippled man, and are asked how he was healed, then know this, you and all the people of Israel, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. He is the stone you builders rejected, which has become the capstone. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved." When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished, and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, God, I just pray that we would be a people that would expect you to speak into our life and expect you to meet with us, God, that, that we would reflect that in such a way that people would realize, just as Peter and John was in this situation so long ago, they would realize that we had been with you. 
And God, I pray that your word would accomplish its will tonight. God, I pray that it would not fall on deaf ears, God, but I pray that we would all take this time to open up and expect you to speak into our lives, Lord. And I pray that your will would be accomplished, God. We thank you so much. We love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, you guys can be seated. Or already sit down. Fine. So when I was reading this, um, and I was, I was preparing for this, if my notes will cooperate, um, I was thinking about in this last verse when, in 13, when they saw the courage of Peter, because remember Peter was filled with the Holy Spirit, Peter and John, when they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized they were unschooled ordinary men, they were astonished and they took note these men had been with Jesus. So you see, there's a difference between what they expected and what they experienced, right? That happens a lot in our lives. We have an expectation And so often, the expectation is different than the experience. So they didn't expect much out of Peter and John. Because they could see they were ordinary men. They were unschooled. So in their eyes, you had to be a part of this priesthood. You had to be a part of, you know, they talked about the, 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 the priest family or the rulers. You had to have kind of this stature, this um, level um, that you had to be at. And anyone else underneath that, it seems like, from what I've read so much in the Word, were ordinary people. Um, so when they spoke with that much power, um, they knew something was different about them. And so they didn't expect much out of them, right? Because they weren't at their same level. Um, but what they experienced was different than what they expected. I kind of equate this to marriage. Uh Oh, um, and how the expectation of this wonderful, blessed amazing union um, is supposed to go is so often different than the actual experience of marriage. And I'm not going to pick that apart too much um, because my bride is in here for one. Um, But, um, you know, it's the truth because sometimes uh, we see marriage in a certain way and Good, bad, or indifferent, um, when it's reflected that way to us, um, we develop an expectation of that's how marriage is. And so the point is, is so often when we then experience um, marriage, it's different. Now, I know for a fact that Brooke's expectation of marriage was just exceeded by leaps and bounds when she married me. So um, sometimes your expectations get... um, Exceeded. She's just not even, that one didn't even face her. Um, even in church, um, there can often be a difference between how we expect church people um, to be and to act and what we experience with them after we've been around them for a short time. Um, so one of the main points I want you guys to understand tonight is frustration can be defined as the difference between expecting and experience. And I can prove that to you. So we used to have this thing called dial-up internet. Does anyone remember dial-up internet? Yeah. So 
dial-up internet, if you wanted to download like one picture during dial-up, you had to carve out about three or four hours of your day in order for that to happen. And so knowing that, you know, having that expectation, you knew, I don't think people downloaded very much when there was dial-up. I don't really know what happened then. That was, that was probably a baby, but, um, so now it's changed, you know, we have this high speed internet. And so, um, we have, we have the most ridiculous amount of information at our fingertips. It blows my mind that all of the information in the world, all the information in the universe for that matter is at the touch of our finger and it's right here in this. And so, um, that can be a really helpful thing. It can be a very dangerous thing as well. But now that we have that, you know, um, it's almost like our expectation is, is that we want instantaneous information. And so with that expectation, um, a little bit of slow Wi-Fi somewhere can just make you come unglued. You know what I mean? So, um, our expectation is matched by our experience so often. So, um, And we get frustrated, you know, um, our expectations can make me, you know, can make you so frustrated, um, when your experience doesn't match it, you know, it's kind of a letdown, right? Um, and so often when we're frustrated, uh, we end up lowering our expectations, um, so much that we can become hopeless. Um, things can have a different kind of outlook, when it doesn't go the way that we expected it to go. And we say things like, well, I guess I just wasn't meant to be happy. I guess I just wasn't meant to have money. Sound like Eeyore kind of from (laughs) Winnie the Pooh. That really wasn't planned, but that dude has a pretty bleak outlook. Well, he's not real, but. um, Or have you ever heard anybody say, I just, my philosophy is I just hope for the best and expect the worst. That is a really cruddy outlook. You know what I mean? It's so negative, but they just act like that's, that's what I'm going with. And it's like, man, that's horrible. Hope for the best and expect the worst. It's such a negative outlook. And we shouldn't ever respond to that frustration by lowering our expectation Because by lowering the expectation, you know, we have that negative outlook and it completely changes the way that we see things because your experience so often, what you have experienced kind of, uh, determines the level of your expectation, right? I know that's a lot, but I've been sitting on it for a while. So, um, your experience that you have determines the level of your expectation. Um, and so when that frustration comes, when it doesn't look how it's supposed to look or how you expect it to look, um, can really change how we view things. So the truth about all this, and what I'm trying to say here through all this, is you will get what you're looking for. No matter what that is, it's not always that way, but I feel like in my life so often I get exactly what I'm looking for. 
And so if you constantly have that negative outlook or that low expectation, whether it's due to your experience or someone else's experience that affected you, um, it can completely, you will get what you're looking for. Now, I, I think about it with like addicts, you know, um, they're seeking something and they don't realize that in their very DNA and their very genetic makeup, what it is they're looking for is the Lord, because that's how he created us in his image to need him, to seek him. Um, but they're looking for something, something that makes them happy, something that makes them feel a certain way. And the enemy has given them this lie, this seed in their mind that this over here, this drug or this drink will give you happiness. And so when they bite on that hook uh, of that lie um, and try it, um, they have this sense of it does bring them joy, which is completely false because only true joy comes from the Lord and true happiness comes from the Lord. However, they've bit into that lie. So I think about it a lot that with addicts because I think they're looking for that and that's exactly what they think that they're getting. And so you're going to get what you're looking for. So it's kind of like back to how church people can be. If you expect church people to be critical or judgmental or hypocritical or cynical or hateful um, or self-entitled or whatever other stigma, um, I'm not saying that church people, some church people aren't that way, but I know that those have been lies that have been placed on people's hearts. But if that's what you're looking for, then that's what you're going to get. And you're going to experience them that way because that's how your expectations have been regulated. <clears throat> so you're going to get what you're looking for. Makes me think of the boys. They always say, you get what you get and you don't throw a fit. And whatever you're looking for, that's what you'll find to be true. That'll be your truth. Whether it's truth in God's word or not, that's going to be your truth because that's what you expected to experience. And so that's what you got. And so you get what you expect. So I've brought you all of that way. I've laid all that foundation because I want to ask you a question tonight. What do you expect to get out of church? Mm. You could tell I really wanted to ask that, but I know the Lord did. What do you expect to get out of church? Some of you may expect God to speak and God to move and God to do great things in you. And I truly believe that God honors those expectations and you get what you're looking for when that's what you're looking for. Um, or you maybe you come to church because maybe you expect to get um, uh, some occasional goosebumps or hear one or two um, good thoughts out of God's word or the preaching. And so often that's exactly what you get out of it. 
And maybe some of you have expect to come and warm a seat and, and you come to church because you know it's what I'm supposed to do. Um, it's because my parents bring me here. Um, it's because that's what looks right to everybody else as you go to church. So I want you to examine in your mind and in your own life asking that question to yourself. What do you expect out of church? You know, I absolutely love this scripture because it so was not what they expected. And like in those times, I feel like with the oppression of people who were following Christ in areas that didn't measure up to the expectations of the rulers and high priests of that time um, were looked down on, I feel like, in a lot of places. And so um, it blows my mind that something can happen like a miracle like this, where this healing of this cripple man happened right before him. And, and every day they would pass by, this is what I picture, every day they would pass by this guy, you know, begging at the gates and they could see how he was. And so I feel like every day that they came, well, they expected him to see, to be that way, right? They expected him to be crippled. They probably expected him to beg as well. But then something changed and he's no longer this way. So their expectations changed in that moment. And it just blows my mind that they didn't know what to do about this because they didn't understand it because they didn't have the right expectations. And so I feel like sometimes I don't have the right expectations. I know for a fact that I don't have the right expectations sometimes. And so when I ask what you expect to get out of church, I can equate that right back to myself because when Brooke and I first got married, I kind of expected to keep my wife happy by going to church, you know, happy wife, happy life. And, uh, God had a different plan. He did. And a different purpose for it. And you know, at first when I was just going to appease her and I had no other expectation than that, that's all I got out of it. Was I just did something to please her and it worked out pretty good for a little while. And then God stepped in and changed it. So I'll ask you again, what do you expect to get out of church? What do you want out of church? Because I talk to the teens about this so often and, and it does have to start with us first. It does about what can I get out of it? And at some point I feel like the Lord wants to make a transition in us to say, okay, you've got the relationship now, what can I do through you to somebody else? And so the expectation can kind of change there. But what do you expect to get out of church? And here's the flip side of it. And when I say the flip side, I'm always saying, so we're talking about us. Now on the flip side, what does God expect? I truly believe that God expects us to experience him, to want to experience him. First and foremost, 
You can say it for a lot of different things. Well, he's called me to this. Well, I go back up here and do the sound. And they need me to do this. And they need me to do that. But I think really when you break it all down, God wants you to expect to experience him. Right? So often we come into it with the wrong expectations. And we get out of it the exact wrong thing. And think about it, over and over in scripture, he says, seek me, abide in me, find me, um, find shelter in me. He's the rock, he's the comforter, um, he's the fortress, he's the solitude in times of need. You see, when you come to his house expecting to experience him, first and foremost, you'll get what you expect. We always need to be seeking him. We always need to have the right expectations. That shouldn't change no matter where we're at. If you live with that first and that's your number one expectation, that's what you'll get. He'll pour into you more than sometimes the overflow is almost too much um, in a good way. So what do you expect to get out of church? It's only something you can answer yourself because you know. I'm going to have Colin come back up here. Would you guys stand with me, please? Maybe some of you need to raise your expectation of God. I know I need to often. Maybe some of you need to experience him in a new way tonight. Maybe some of you need to reprioritize what you expect to get out of church and why you come. Lowering our expectations of God doesn't change the fact that he is the authority. He is the power. He is all-knowing. He is all-consuming. It doesn't change that. It only robs us from experiencing it when we lower our expectations because we're putting him in a box. And we're saying, well, you're not more than enough. I can handle this, and when I need you, I'll go get you off that shelf, and I'll pull you out. God's bigger than that. So ask yourself, what do you expect to get out of church? I don't know what this response time is supposed to look like. The altars are open if you want to come and pray. But I just feel like we need to ask ourselves that question tonight. What do you expect to get out of church? What do you expect to get out of God? What do you expect to get out of a relationship with the one who knit you together in your mother's womb?